Welcome to More Than a Mission, a podcast where we explore what it looks like to discern God's calling to live an active, intentional life of sharing the gospel. Each week, we talk about the way God is moving in our lives, around the world, and everywhere in between, as well as how God's call to missions may apply to your life. Ready to explore your calling? Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of More Than a Mission. Uh, my name is Micah Torgerson and I'm joined as always by Andrew Carlberg. How you guys doing? We have two very special guests on our show tonight. Uh, two of our very own H-Squad leaders, Suze Rinks. Hey everyone. <laughs> and Cami Chikanoski. Hi. Thank you to the both of you for joining us tonight. This is super exciting. I've been looking forward to doing this one. I, I have been looking forward to it as well. Ever since we uh, heard Connors, we're like, we got to get on this mission podcast. <laughs> so real. <laughs> Actually, he was just our very first uh, recurring guest. So you guys have some work to do, it looks like. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he just recorded one with Zaya and uh, Nick Gold. Oh, my mm -hmm. gosh, fun. Wow, we do have some catching up to do, I guess. Uh, yeah, but we have a two for one here. Because <laughs> you're both on. So we're like, we're kind of even, you know? There you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Before we get into any of uh, the deep details, um, would both of you just tell us a little bit more about yourselves, you know, where you're from, what you've done in life up until this point, you know, all the good stuff? Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm Suze. I'm 27. I'm from Texas. I actually grew up in Austin for most of my life. Um, wait, what was it? Just what we've been doing. <laughs> yeah, like where you grew up, you know, if you went to college, I guess anything. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. I went to the U of A in Fayetteville. Um, it actually took me a really long time to graduate but that is okay. Victory laps are fun. Um, but I'm an official graduate this fall, so I'm super excited. I'm getting my degree in the mail. Um, that's just a big victory for me. Um, let's see. After college, I went on my first world race in 2018. Got back. I was home for like, oh man, maybe two weeks, close to a month. And then I left again, and I was alumni team leader. And then I came back and I actually moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. I've just been hanging out here. I live with my aunt and I also work for her. And then, yeah, now I'm going to squad leave for you guys. So that's me. Also, I love breakfast tacos. <laughs> I think I'm learning that, like, if you're part of World Race, it's just a requirement to move to North Carolina when you're done. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people actually live here. There's... There's actually a missional community not too far from Charlotte. So, yeah, a lot of like just little post world race life. That's sweet. What are you getting your degree in? Um, it's in child development. Okay. Yeah. Nice. That's awesome. Do you have any like plans or like things you want to do with that? Um, gosh. Sometimes yes, and then sometimes no. Um, I think something I would like to do with that degree is actually one day, this is a really big dream of mine, is to have a children's home, um, whether that's here in the States or that's international. I feel, I definitely feel more called to like go international, but I'm still kind of like mulling it over with the Lord and figuring out like, what does this actually look like? Um, I've had opportunities to like serve in different children's homes here in the States, but also internationally, partly like with the world race, but also on different mission trips. And so I've seen like the good and the hard parts of it. So definitely still dreaming. And I would love to do that one day. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Did you, so you're finishing up your degree now. Um, were you, was child development what you were originally always studying or did it change because of the world race? Um, no. So it's kind of crazy. I like started off, I think I was undeclared or maybe I was like pre-kinesiology or something like that. I actually had no idea what I wanted to study when I started going to college. It was definitely like, I'm doing this because this is what I should be doing. Not necessarily like, I just, I just like did it. I don't know. It kind of wasn't even a thought. Um, 
So I changed my major to, what did I change it to? Speech path. And then I quickly realized this is not for me. (laughs) I stuck with it for a while just to kind of like really get into it, see like, oh, maybe this is what I want to do. Maybe it's not. It definitely was not it for me. Um, And then there was actually a professor who was in the child development department. She came in and she was talking about like what she does, why she likes it. And it just like totally captivated me. And I was like, okay, I, I think this is actually something that I'm really interested in. I love kids. I love learning about the different like developmental, which just like milestones that kids and even adults hit, just hit throughout their life. Um, and so I went to my advisor, got some really cool advice from him. He also like totally loved the Lord. So that was just super sweet. He actually encouraged me to essentially drop out and go be a missionary. He was like, this isn't where you want to be. And I'm like, no, (laughs) it's not. But I also know that I need to graduate to respect my parents. And then, and then it was like, okay, once I'm done, I can do the world race. So yeah. Dang. That's really interesting. That's, that's so cool though. (laughs) It was a process for sure. So, (laughs) but yeah, that's me. Cammie, how about you? Um, yeah, so I grew up in Youngstown, Ohio. I'm a big Buckeye fan for all my Buckeye listeners out there. (laughs) And I, um, yeah, so I grew up, went to like a private Christian school. Um, and then it was really small. So I wanted like something bigger. So I decided to, um, go to a different U of A, but University of Akron, and um, I got my degree in HR there. And I was kind of like, Susan was undecided for a little bit um, towards the beginning. And then I um, declared accounting as my major, but then I took an accounting course and then I switched. <laughs> so <laughs> accounting was not for me. Um, and I don't so, blame you. Yeah, no, definitely not. Um, so then I decided to do HR human resource management felt like a little bit more my style. I liked business, but I liked people. So that was kind of mixing the two. Um, but like all through college, like I knew I was there for like a, more than just my education. And I think in college is where like my faith really became alive. And I experienced like really good Christian community, got super involved in campus ministry there. And, um, yeah, just really fell in love with ministry in itself. And um, so after I graduated with this HR degree, I'm like, okay, what do I do? Like kind of feeling that tug, but I had some opportunities through an internship to work in management at Target. So I, um, you know, said yes to the full-time job to like a good salary and was just like paying off my student loans and really just like kind of feeling set and like, trying to think, you know, make a five-year, 10-year plan, all that fun stuff. Um, But pretty quickly into that, maybe like, I graduated in 2017 from college and about six months into working full-time after graduation, the Lord kind of wrecked all my plans like he typically does and um, asked me to quit and asked me to pursue missions. And I had never really known what the world race was. Like I had heard of it through a friend of a friend and um, I like had knew, I like knew what the organization was, but not really. And I just thought the concept was cool. So when the Lord asked me to go and like fill out an application, I was like shocked. I'm like, what? Like, no. Um, But I said yes. And I kept walking through those open doors and that led me to, um, N-Squad, which uh, we launched in October of 2018. And fun fact, Susan and I, we were on a uh, squad together and we were on a team together starting off. So um, yeah, so that like the world race just kind of, I don't know, wrecked me for anything ordinary. Mm-hmm. And I think at this point, um, yeah, I could go on and on about the things I learned on the race, but I think coming home from the race, I knew that I didn't want to go back to, um, like a secular job. I didn't want to go back to just going through the motions like I had been before. And I wanted 
like ministry to be involved in my life um, for the rest of my life. So I was like, okay, Lord, well, what do you want me to do for work? And he asked me to wait and I'm like, okay. So I waited and we had gotten back from the race in August of 2019. And so I um, waited and waited and, and finally he landed me at a school working as an administrative assistant back in the school, the high school that I graduated from. So um, I, well, I actually work in the elementary school, but it's my alma mater. And so getting to like come full circle back to that atmosphere and back to that school has been a really cool opportunity to minister to these children and to just love on them and show them, show them Jesus. And so um, I've learned this past year how to incorporate ministry into full-time work. And, um, but coming back from the race, like I knew I wanted to continue with the world race. Like I knew I wanted to squad lead at some point. That's been a dream in my heart since, um, you know, early on in my race. So I, um, just kind of was waiting patiently on the Lord and he through lots of different events and circumstances, um, placed me with the perfect, um, squad, the perfect leadership team. I couldn't be more happy to launch in January with H squad. Hmm. And that's how I'm here. <laughs> so you kind, of, you kind <laughs> of started to touch on it. Uh, but my next question is going to be briefly. I mean, you can go along. I don't care. <laughs> but like, briefly, what would you say were like one or two of the biggest things you learned on the race? And then with that, like, why do you guys feel like, one, what did the call back into squad leading look like? And two, like, why is that something that like is on your heart to do? Good question. Um, I think one of the biggest things I learned on the race was refinement. Um, and there's just something about like, like total and complete surrender and being willing to not only burn like when we when we sing about oh like set me on fire set me on fire like you know up until the race i had assumed that was just like a passionate love for jesus but on the race like i i realized that that prayer you're asking for some pain you know when, when you pray that and i think refinement is that process of burning away everything that hinders you from being completely and totally um, immersed in Jesus. And so I think on the race, uh, month one, the Lord spoke burn like over my race and just said, this is going to be a burn. This is going to be a year of burning and, um, and refinement. And so he asked me to like surrender my own fleshly desires to want to self-protect so that I wouldn't get burned and get hurt. And, um, through, through that process of just kind of surrendering my own pride and laying, laying myself down, um, and being willing to lay in the fire with him. I mean, there were some painful things like, I mean, I mean, going into the world race and going into an area, like, a an environment where you're abandoning so much, like you come face to face with some of like the hardest things and within yourself too. Um, not just like external things, but being willing to sit in that fire and let him burn away all those things. Um, you come out so clean on the other side. And I feel like I came out with a new understanding of who God is and who I am and how um, intimate a relationship with him can be if you're willing to go through some, some trial and um, some pain. So yeah, that's, wasn't very brief. I apologize. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I think for me, like my first race, um, I think something that really marks it is just this fact of really pressing into my pain. Um, and with that comes just a lot of uprooting, just uprooting a lot of like lies that I've been believing for so long, but also realizing that I was free in my emotions, that it was okay for me to actually like understand why am I feeling angry right now? Why am I sad? Like what is actually triggering me and how, like, where's the truth in it all? What's valid? What's not? Um, yeah, it just, I don't know. I think that's something that I like really learned from my first race of just 
really like sitting in my pain and being okay with going to the father in it all. But also along with that was realizing that the father is really is faithful to me and he's never going to leave my side. That's um, actually something that I like really struggled with is this fact of like, is the Lord actually faithful to me? Because in my life I have, I just have dealt with like this fear of abandonment. And so that was entangling me in so many different ways and causing me to like project it on other people or to not understand that like my friends weren't just going to leave me. Um, and it, it, it took, it took a, a while to like finally get to this point of actually receiving healing and finding freedom within it all and realizing that I am enough that I hold value. My voice matters and I'm wildly free in him throughout it all. Um, and that he's not going to go anywhere. So yeah, I think that's just something that's like, has literally been on my mind for the past two or three months, just like thinking back on my first race and even like going out in alumni team waiting on my second one, it was learning that I, because when you're in leadership, like I think Cam has said this many times to me, when you're in leadership, all of your insecurities are just like right in front of your face, whether you realize, like you realize it or not, they're going to be right there. But in reality, it's like, surrendering them to the Lord and realizing his truth over it all. Um, and that's something that I learned. Oh gosh. That's something I learned on my second race being an alumni team leader. It's just that I have ownership in certain areas and there's other areas where I don't have ownership in when it comes to people's emotions and just how, whether they respond or they react. So yeah, yeah definitely just learning to like sit in my pain and realize that he is never going to leave me. So yeah. I think it's interesting that you both mentioned similar things along the lines of like a prayer that involves like to burn is to invite pain. And then see, as you talk about like experiencing pain, I know I shared this at training camp. I don't think I've shared this on the podcast. I don't know. I talk a lot, Um, (laughs) but like one of the most beautiful analogies for me in scripture is there's the passage that talks about like, we don't take new wine and pour it into old wineskins. Like the whole point of that was like the fermentation process of a wineskin. It like, as the wine ferments, the wineskin would expand and it would become hard and rigid. And so if you put new wine in the second time, it would explode and it would not only ruin the wineskin, but the wine inside of it. There was actually one way you could take an old wineskin and restore it to being able to like go through a fermentation process a second time. And it was to soak the wineskin in oil and massage it like really firmly and like that can restore it and so it's just this like beautiful imagery of how often like we pray for the new wine we want the blessing we want the thing on the other side but so often like the lord's response is like hey deal with your pride hey deal with your lust hey deal with these things that like we write up as oh the lord's not really speaking into this situation when like so often before he can actually answer anything to do with the new wine like we have to be willing to go through this like painful massaging process to like not it's not just to like build character but like it's also to like enable us to actually be able to hold the thing like the blessing the new wine on the other side because like if we have not been massaged and gone through the pain to be able to handle it we not only ruin ourselves as the wineskin but we ruin like the blessing that he's trying to bring to us that's good it's a good word yeah it is yeah so then from there what why do you guys what makes you excited about? Like, why do you want to step back in and squad lead now? Great question. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want me to go first? Yeah. (laughs) Great. Um, So on my race, like with refinement, um, a big area in the way that I like that helped me to become refined was through community. Um, Because there's a lot of things about yourself that you can't see that your brothers and sisters in Christ can and can can point you to Jesus in and can point you back into that fire. So I think something that was ignited in me on my race was a passion for community, a passion for discipleship. And um, I knew like, like how I shared in my little intro, I knew that that ministry, like God was calling me into a life of full-time ministry. I had no clue what that looked like. Um, but on the race, 
that like my passions were so heightened in the area of discipleship that I know now that, um, you know, for in some facet of ministry for the rest of my life, there's going to be discipleship. And I mean, Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. And that's not just evangelizing and converting someone and having them pray a sinner's prayer. That's walking with them in the process of becoming more like Jesus. And that was one of my favorite parts of my race was getting the opportunity to walk alongside my squad mates and um, point them closer to Jesus. So in doing that, I'm like, I, I love this setting for that because you, you take a year out of your entire life and you dedicate it solely to whatever God wants. You know, you are completely and totally open. And the transformation that can happen in that time period is is so great and so astounding that for me to get the joy of being a part of watching somebody else, like all of the light bulbs turn on or, you know, something just clicking. And, and if I could be a part of just witnessing that and walking with them and, and reminding them that they're not alone and pointing them to Jesus. And not only that, but helping um, them do that for each other and helping them learn how to walk next to somebody else. And, I think just the whole process of discipleship, the whole process of community and discovering community is something I'm just like so passionate about. And on the race, there's just so many opportunities for you to learn how to do that. Um, and so that's kind of like, that was a huge thing that the Lord put on my heart during my race that I'm like, I need to, I need to find a way to do this again. And um, I, I mean, I'll, I'm sure I'll share more with you guys, like while we're together, but month seven of my race, I, um, you know, was asked to squad lead after the race and the Lord had me say no, which was like the most devastating thing in the world. Um, because I, I wanted to so badly and it was like everything, my heart was like leaning towards and I, and the Lord, you know, moved me in a different direction for some time. But I know that's because he was, he was teaching me that I'm supposed to wait on him and not wait on, my own desires, like even desires that are good and desires that, you know, he has for me. If I'm waiting on those things, like I'm just going to be spinning my wheels. But if I'm waiting on him, you know, that's where there's fruit and that's where there's abundance. Um, and so he, you know, asked me to say no. And it, the squad leading came up multiple times in the last year and a half. And I, he just had me continue saying no. And, um, and all of that leads me to H squad, which is why I just am so passionate about this squad and so excited for what God has in store. Because when we first got the call, like we were January and we were with H squad, like I felt the Lord say, like, it's for this group of people that I asked you to wait. And that was just so special because I, I mean, I don't know why he has me here. Um, but I just know it's going to be good because he's in it and you know, yeah, he's good like that. So Oh man. So cool. Um, man, I was like thinking, I was just like thinking as you're speaking, because I also have like similar thoughts as to why I said yes. Um, but I don't think I've shared this with anyone. So here we go. I'm just going to share it. Um, I have this habit of, I love to journal. Um, but I like, I always go through them super fast because I don't like writing on the back of the page. So what I do is when I finish filling it in one way, I flip it and I start from the opposite end and go through. So I, this is crazy. Um, after alumni team leading and moving to Charlotte, my community just looks super different. It's also just been a very like winter of a season to put it just in that terms. And there have definitely been times where it's just been like incredibly lonely. Um, but also knowing that I'm not alone. And so it just, it's just been a really interesting sort of season in life. And I was journaling and I, at this point I had flipped it and I was journaling and I came across this page where I was like, I had written down my dreams. Um, I love to dream, whether that's like life dreams or it's like a little daily dream. I just like love, I love dreaming. I think it's so fun. I think there are just so many like endless opportunities that you can take a hold of. Um, but anyways, so I come across my dreams and I had actually written down squad leading. And I was like, why did I, why did I write that down? Like, 
where did this actually come from? Um, and so I have my journals from the race with me here in Charlotte. And I was like, I'm going to go back through them. I'm going to see if maybe like when I was on my race, um, I was a team leader for like the middle part. And I was like, maybe that's when I started dreaming of it. I don't know. So I like flipped through some of my old journals and I actually found this page where I was like, Lord, I actually do want a squad lead, but it actually terrifies me because it is a challenge. Um, I remember talking to Fran on one of our calls and I was like, hey, I can you like send me the application? I want to do gap year. Like I want to be a squad leader for gap year. And she, oh man, she's just so funny and just so great. But she was like, Suze, why not 11 and 11? Why not like, like she just kind of asked me like, why not this, this or this? And I was like, okay, okay. I was like, did the Lord like tell you that I want to do that? But I like haven't told anyone, this is weird. And so she actually like started talking to me about team leading. And I was like, I like felt it very highlighted. And I was like, okay, Lord, yeah, like that's actually something I want to do. Um, but then squad leading has always been in the back of my mind. But to be honest, like when I finished alumni team leading, I was like, okay, that's it. Like I'm, I'm done with adventures and missions in the sense of like going back out on the field with them. But I was like, man, Jesus, I just like, I love discipleship. I love getting to go out to new places and just like living life with people shoulder to shoulder facing him. And I think that's what it's all about for me is just like, like community is beautiful. It's a gift. And it's just something that is like, oh, it's just so good. And so I think that's like a really big reason why I was like, yeah, I want a squad lead because you get to live life with people. You get to like seek discomfort every single day in just really cool ways. And so, yeah, that's why. That's, that's really awesome, Suze. And I think like, I just love the whole, like the story of where Fran was saying, well, why not this? Why not this? Like, I don't know. It's almost like we, we paint this picture for ourselves of like, okay, I'm going to do this. And, and it's never like, it never ends up that way. Like, I think yeah. I shared this with um, Fran and our group of team leaders the day where we all like broke out and met with in our roles. And I was just kind of like, you know, if you sat all 44 down of us in the room and said, and like went through all the roles and said, okay, who wants to do this? there was no way in heck I was raising my hand to be a team leader. Like, I, I don't know. It's just, I've never like seen myself as a leader. And so to have other people like kind of speak that over me and say like, Hey, I think like you would be, you would be good at this has kind of just been changing things for me. So it's, it's cool to see that, that you've also gone through that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, man. That's so good. It, it's just, I think something that I've been like thinking about a lot, a lot lately is, is how can I actually challenge myself? Um, what are ways to seek discomfort in our everyday lives? Um, also, not going to lie, I've been watching a lot of Yes Theory. Yes. Do you guys know them? Yes. They're freaking cool. <laughs> but I just like really love how they, they just like engage in community in such a cool way by just like engaging engaging with strangers and just getting to know people and like doing these crazy things but it like really encouraged me to actually to like sit with the father excuse me to like sit with the father and actually be like am I seeking discomfort with you or am I like literally just like going through the motions like what what is happening and and I think for me like when I think of squad leading it's it's definitely like not comfortable so I'm excited to see like what the Lord does through it all. Yeah, I just learned, uh, I was listening to a sermon earlier today on a really cool, there's a passage in Numbers 20 that I love um, where they're like, Israelites are grumbling for a second time to Moses about the fact they don't have water. Moses goes to God. God's like, speak to the rock. Moses hits the rock. Water still flows from it. But like the disobedience in that, ends up costing Moses the promised land. And like piece of it that I learned this morning that I had never heard before is like the place that that happened was like literally called Kadesh, which is the word for holy in Hebrew. And so like just this idea that Moses was stepping into a situation that looked exactly like an Exodus 17, exact same situation and he was supposed to hit the rock. And so like Moses comes to this exact same situation 
in a place called holy and he treats it as like common he treats it as like just like what had happened before and so like just uh, exactly what you're talking about the idea of like challenging yourself and actually like sitting in discomfort with the father is like i think so much of that is often just like lord like in going through the motions like are there things that i'm doing just because like that's how you've asked me to do it before or like am i actually asking you like in this moment right now like choosing to see each moment is holy like lord what do you have in this moment dang that's good on a, a similar note a question that i've just like love asking people in general um and this can apply to like world race and the fact that we're about to squad lead or not but i would just like love to hear what the lord is like currently teaching you guys Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think, oh man, I feel like there's so many different things. Um, recently, um, man, yesterday, so yesterday was just a really hard day for me. Um, and I just like took the night to kind of rest and be and, and just try to kind of like just sit in my pain and figure out what was going on in my mind and my heart because there was just some weird disconnect and I was just feeling like just really hurt and really angry. And so um, I was actually doing this really fun yoga um, and she just like guides, she reads scripture over you and she guides you in different things. And there was just one part where she was like, I want you to ask the Lord, like, what is the state of your heart? Um, And I was like, man, I don't know. Like, I don't know what it is. And I was like, father, what, like, what's going on in my heart? Like what is actually happening? And he gave me this really cool vision of my heart. And it was just like super red and it was fleshy, but it was bright. Um, but like, it was like the, just like a heart that you would draw on a piece of paper basically is what I saw. But at the very like tip of it, there was this like small piece of stone. And when I saw that she was then like, I want you to ask the father if there are pieces of stone that are within your heart that need to be removed. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so I was just like, Lord, I realized that this like stone in my heart is actually just because I'm really angry. Um, and I know that it has to do a lot with my anger. And I know that like, it has to do with like just the thing that had happened earlier in the day. But I was like, can you remove it? Like, can you show me, can you show me how to release this to surrender it to you? Because I don't want to be angry anymore. Like I feel, I just feel really disconnected to myself and to him. And so when I was asking him, when I like just started, I was just praying and just asking the Lord to remove that part of my heart that was just really bitter and angry. It was like the red just like drained down into it. And then it, and then within like, it was almost like he snapped his fingers and my heart was white. And he was like, Suze, you are pure of heart. And I want you to see this. And so I think like, that is just something recently that he's been showing me is to just like, ask him, what's the state of my heart? What's the state of my mind? What, what's the disconnect? What am I like? I think it's really just like, what am I holding on to and what needs to be surrendered? What needs to be released? So that's cool. I love that. Thanks. Um, I think for me, just like, I mean, I think this whole year there's been this theme of um, harmony um, and what, what it looks like to lean into two seemingly opposite um, things and, and having them come together to form a union that's pleasing um, and whole. And like, when you think about harmony, you think of like two different sounds, um, but somehow they're beautiful. So I think this year has been a lot about living in the tensions of two different things. Um, and um, like for me, for example, learning how to lean into being like full of joy, but also full of grieving and sadness and sorrow. Um, those seem like two different concepts, two things, but being in two places at once and, and and experiencing two things at the same time can be a really beautiful thing. And so um, me and God, like month by month have been walking through like seem like two seemingly opposite things and coexisting together. So I think right now um, 
for me, I'm, I'm seeing the Lord bring harmony to, um, this idea of being present where I'm at, but also filled with expectation for, for what's to come. I'm like with the waiting that's taken place to squad lead, there's just so much anticipation and so much eagerness to just get to where I'm going and to just be immersed in that again and to, to be with H squad, but learning contentment with where he has me and, and learning how to be present where I'm at is something that could be hard for me to do. So um, I think we're walking through that. I think he's also teaching me, um, where to find, continue to where, where to find my, um, my value. I think I'm like definitely a recovering perfectionist. And so there's this idea of having to be good for other people and having to do good and be perfect. And as a squad leader, I know that I'm confronted with that insecurity and, and with, with that tendency to get my value and my goodness from how well I do at leading or um, how other people perceive me and, and whatnot. So I think that's something me and the father have been talking a lot about is this concept that he is good and he calls me good. And um, I don't have to wrestle with other people calling me good or approving of, of me because my father is good and he calls me good and he approves of me. So there's always that. Um, and as I'm like walking into squad leading, he's just reminding me of that truth. And I'm speaking that over myself. So I think the two of those things, like those are some big things I'm learning with him right now. That those are both really good. And so I guess speaking of expectations, I would want to know, were there any expectations that you guys had for our squad like coming into training camp and then like, what are your thoughts on those afterwards? So I know, so you guys have been through training camp at least once or twice now. Um, so just curious on, on kind of that front. Um, I think, I don't think there are really from, from me, I don't think there are really any expectations that I had like specifically on the squad necessarily I think there's definitely just like I mean we all were just like praying and just like heard a lot of like really cool things from the Lord and just worship like worship was one of the biggest ones and just like watching the squad worship in unity and just like seeing the glory of the Lord just be released all over the place um I think like uh I don't know I think when I like first thought of training camp I like thought of my training camp but obviously, like, it's not going to be like that because COVID. So it's like, ah, let go of all the, like, expectations or ideas or thoughts. And it was just coming in and being like, yeah, this is actually really sweet. And this is really, really good. And this squad is incredible. And I'm, like, literally, I'm so thankful to be a part of it. Like, sometimes I'll sit here and I'll be like, oh, my gosh, Lord, like, I prayed for community. But what the heck? Like, this just, you guys are just really cool and really sweet. And I'm so excited to just, like continue in community with y'all so <laughs> yeah um I don't I mean expectations I think the first thing that came to mind was just um I mean it's hard not to compare like I I think I, that's something I have to fight is like you know I I don't want to compare this to my race like I don't this is a totally mm -hmm. different experience God can do whatever he wants but I think, um, you know, the squad Susan and I were on during our race was 20, 24 people. And so coming into training camp, knowing that this was a squad of 44 was <laughs> oh, like, was overwhelming for me um, at first, because I'm not, I'm not an extrovert. I, I'm not the best in crowds. Like I, I do better with smaller groups. And so like, as much as I was like pumped about 44, like, oh my gosh, God, like, look, look what you did. Like, look look what you drew together. It was almost like, oh my gosh, like how am I going to navigate in that setting? And so I was a little apprehensive, if I'm being honest, just about the number and, and the whole idea of unity, like how, how are 44 people going to come together and be unified, like as one body, because the larger the number, the harder that is. And so that's something walking into training camp, I was like, okay, God, like, I'm excited to see what you do here. Like, I don't know how this is going to look because it just looks different than what I experience 
which is such a small squad that we had. Um, and God just blew me away. Like, I mean, there was just multiple times where, where we would just like look at each other as leaders and be like, what the crap? Like (laughs) this squad is like already a family unit and is already so closely tethered together. Like even we were hearing stories at, at the very first day that there were road trips being had, like before, before training camp and (laughs) you guys being a part of that and, and just like Bible studies happening and zoom calls and even just like before training camp, the foundation and into training camp, just the unity was shocking to me. And not that I wasn't expecting it because I know that that happens when you enter the presence of God, as he draws us close to each other. But I mean, he just, it just, my expectations were just like blown out of the water. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's something that I'm like, wow, God, you are so good because I feel like this squad is already so unified and, and it's, it's such a test testimony to the goodness of God, because 44 is a large number. And the fact mm-hmm. that, that we're already so close is just astounding. I'm just in awe about it. Oh, that's so good because that's kind of one of the things that I also thought of coming into training camp. You know, like you were just saying, you have a group of 44 people, 50 plus if you include all of our leadership, like mm-hmm. I get like, it's just so easy to come into that thinking like, okay, there's going to be at least one person that I don't get along with. Like, it's just going to happen. And something that I've been reading through lately in first John four is about like, is God's love and our love as a response to God's love. And part of the, something that I was reading through literally, like it says, like saying that you can't love this person is not a valid excuse. Like if, if we're living in God's love every day, like we have all the tools necessary to love anyone, no matter what. And so I think coming out of training camp, it was like, it was just so evident that we spent that week living in God's love and that like, there was just so much unity within all 50 plus of age squad. And I'm not saying that it's like, it's always going to be perfect and it's always going to be that way, but like, it was so cool to see. Yeah. And I remember Chris, like our, our coach, Chris, when there was a moment at training camp where worship just kind of spontaneously broke out and we, it was just such a powerful like move of the spirit. And we were just so unified in that moment. And I remember Chris speaking up and saying like, remember this because Mm -hmm. when it gets hard and you guys are on each other's last nerves, remember that it's worship that brings you guys together. And it's the love that you have for God, like you said. And it's that, it's that passion and that worship that is going to now unify you and, and cause you to have greater love for your brother and sister, even when you want to wring their neck, you know? So (laughs) I just, I think about like what Sue said, that, that word, that word being spoken over our squad of worship and praise. And it's that praise and that worship in the presence of the Holy spirit that draws us further into love, which draws us further into unity, you know? Mm -hmm. I see, I just think, I don't know, looking back on this, it's been a little over a year now since I like officially committed to the world race. And just thinking back on everything that's happened throughout this last year, like it, it's kind of hard for me to, to mentally comprehend like where I am now versus, you know, where I was when I signed up for the race and like even just what I thought I was signing up for. And like how much that has changed. So that kind of makes me curious to know, like, did you guys have any expectations going into your race that like God just completely shattered? Because for me, it's like I had some international missions experiences before and they were they were mostly short term, like one week ish long trips. So, you know, I was expecting something a little different, but not like community like this or like people just so invested in each other and so invested in their relationships with God. Yeah, I think for me, it's like, I, man, I'm trying to think back to that time. I actually worked at a summer camp right before going to training camp, like launching on the race. And so I feel like a lot of my, just like my focus was really just on that. And I wasn't necessarily like really thinking about, oh, I'm about to launch on the world race. It was kind of like, yeah, I'm about to do the world race. Great, here we go. Like, 
get me to the airport. I'm ready to do it was kind of my mentality. And I think, I think there was just this expectation of like, yeah, I'm, I'm just, we'll see what the day holds and we'll just go from there. And like, it's just going to be beautiful all the time. I'm going to love my team always. I'm never going to get annoyed. I'm never going to have to have a fierce conversation or sit at the table with my team and cry my eyes out because I don't know what's going on in my life um, sort of thing. And so I think it just like, I think like on our first team cam, we week one had like a fierce conversation of just our whole team coming together and just bringing things to the table and just putting things out in the open. And I think in that moment, I realized that the Lord was doing something so much deeper than I could like ever think of or imagine. And so it's just this like really cool, just moment in time of being like, I'm going to slow down and actually like just really take this in and realize that the Lord is like moving within all of this this is great. Like, I love this. I love that I'm here, but he has so much more than what I've come up with in my head. So. Uh, that's, that's so good. And like, again, that just makes me think back to like everything for me that's happened this past year. Like I signed up for the race fully expecting, like I signed up last November and I was like, okay, there's whatever 50 many people signed up for this trip. Now I'll see them at training camp in October it'll be good and <laughs> God just has this funny way of flipping things on their head and COVID happened and we had multiple Zoom calls every week that were lasted like way longer than they should have <laughs> and <laughs> people driving across the country to see each other and like it was just like this crazy community that we already started building that I had absolutely no idea that I needed mm -hmm. but like it has helped me prepare for what I'm about to do. That's so good. I think for me, um, like an expectation, <laughs> it's so silly when I think about it, but when I kind of how I shared earlier, when I signed up for the race, I was coming out of college and in college was, there was so much like freedom that I found within myself like parts of my identity that was unlocked, parts of my faith that were restored. And I was just like on top of the world, like on this spiritual high. And I'm like, okay, now that I have reached and the pinnacle of my faith and I have learned everything there is to learn about myself. Now I get to go out and I get to pour, <laughs> pour out to the nations and serve the kingdom of the Lord. And it was just so funny. Like that's literally like what I thought. I was walking into and very quickly into that I realized there's still more stuff like I had to discover about myself and that that discovery is never ending like I, I am never going to reach a point in my life where I have fully like discovered who I am and discovered who God was like and I, I think there was some spiritual pride even a little bit there that God was teaching me humility um, as he was teaching me refinement and learning that, that, um, the process of pouring out myself to the nations isn't separate from, um, self-discovery and isn't separate from God pouring into me and me like focusing on my relationship with God. Um, so I think, uh, I, I just think back to that and just how funny that was that I actually was convinced that I had learned everything I needed to learn about myself. <laughs> yeah. On a, a similar note, kind of like the flip side of that question, I think I would love to hear what was the most challenging part about the race for you. And then like part two of that is what, what would your advice be over that challenge to someone going slash like maybe your advice to yourself as you're going round two? Um, I think so something that I learned from my race is just that, like, you're going to find people that you really connect with. And it's incredible. And those friendships are really good. And they're a gift of the Lord. Um, but also don't, don't like let that stop you from getting to know other people. Um, I think that's something that when I think of, like, man, I, 
not that I regret it, but it's like, if I could go back on my race, like I would love to just be more intentional with this person or this person or this person. And so I think that's like my one piece of advice, just in the sense of like getting to know your community. Everyone, everyone's so different and it may be easier to connect with one person than it is with this person over here, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't try. And so I think that's just, that is something that I've been thinking of is just like now getting to squad lead and getting the chance to actually like sit with people and be intentional and get to know them um, is something that I'm like really looking forward to. Yeah. I think that's some really good advice and even something that I've kind of seen just coming out of training camp, you know, like there were so many of us there and like you were saying, Cammie, like it's overwhelming sometimes how many people we have on the squad. And so I think I kind of just had that expectation, like, okay, I'm not going to get to know everyone super well. And just looking back on it, like there were, there were people that I didn't talk to quite as much. And then like, having the chance to talk to them now after training camp, I'm just kind of finding out like, wow, you were way different than I thought you were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's cool that again, you guys are, are engaging in those conversations before launch. Like, cause a lot of times it's like, you don't discover that until month seven, you are like, where, where were you at? You know? So <laughs> I think that is a really good piece of advice, Suze, of, of don't like, in life, it's like, you can always choose your friends. Like that's what we've been, you can, you can always choose who you want to surround yourself with. But in this setting, it's very different. It's like, that's chosen by God, you know? And like, that's, you've been plopped into this community. So it's like, that's something I learned was like, I would have probably never picked this person outside of the race, but wow. Like the fact that God placed you in my life and I, I engaged, even though it was difficult, maybe a little awkward, maybe we didn't connect right, right at first, but by the end of it, it's like, you are my sister. Like, and I, I love, I have such a deep love for you that I would have never known if I didn't engage. So I think that would be mine. Like similar to Sue's is the hardest part. I think for me in the race was we always said like, press in, like you always (laughs) press in, you know, and lean in even when it's hard, but Yeah. (laughs) But like that, that idea of pressing in and like, it's going to, there's going to reach a point where it's like, it would be so much easier to just put my headphones in and turn on Netflix and just coast for the rest of the race. Like that's a real thing. And when you're confronted with that decision and you choose to press in instead, like that's where God should, like, that's where God shows up. And that's where community becomes even more unified and that's when self-discovery and more of God like you encounter because it's when you had the option to run away but you chose to run into the difficult conversation or you chose to run into worship and I think that was the most difficult part of the race but also the most fulfilling and rewarding part and that'd be my advice to anyone doing the race is you know when you reach that point where you it would just be way easier to stop or to run from whatever it is. Don't like run into it, press in. It's going to be worth it. Yeah. I think even going off of that, like Andrew, I read your, your text in the group me of just how you went to get a haircut and the guy was like, Oh, you're doing the world race and just talk to you in Spanish. Like we are going to a Spanish speaking country. And so like even pressing into the uncomfortable, but like, pressing into the uncomfortable of trying to speak Spanish, even if you don't know a lot. The thing is, people are going to love that you're trying to be intentional with them. Like we were made for connection. So why not use our gift of connection that we've been given to connect with those within our squad, within our community, but also with those that we're serving with. Maybe we're like on the street one day, walking around, hanging out, and we see someone and we're like, I don't know a lot of Spanish or whatever language it may be, but it's like, I'm going to really try this time and we'll see what happens. Maybe they know some English, you know? So it's just like really, really fighting for that connection within it all. That's good. Okay. I've got one more thing. And I just want to know your honest feedback (laughs) on feedback. Um, So like one is feedback or anything like of that nature something that you guys had present in your life and your communities before the race 
like what were your expectations or like what were your initial thoughts when you like were told this is what we're doing in regards to feedback and how has it kind of like changed since then? So I grew up in a environment that doesn't necessarily talk about the hard things. Um, and like feedback was not really something, it was just not something that like my environment necessarily operated in. Um, and then I, when I went to college and I started getting plugged into different ministries and I worked at like a Christian sports camp throughout the summers, um, I was, I was kind of introduced to feedback in a sense where it's like, we're giving you advice and we're also calling you higher, but it wasn't necessarily in the form that we have been shown through AIM. And so when I first heard of feedback, I was like, wow, this might, this is, this is making me feel pretty squirmy. Like I, I don't know if I love this, but once it was like, man, once we started practicing and just like really engaging in feedback and really just like sitting with Holy Spirit before you even try to give someone feedback just really sets the tone. Um, and so I think that's something that I've really learned that I just learned while being on the race um, in alumni leading, but also just like, it is like feedback is so nice, like coming off the field and then coming into a place where you're like, I'm going to continue using my feedback. I've grown so much in it. People don't love it. <laughs> like, People who have not been exposed to it are not going to know I'm giving you encouraging feedback. This is constructive. Like that's just not how their brain works. And so I am really excited to get back into a, get back into an environment and a community who really values feedback and is in a place where they're able to receive it. Um, because it is such an incredible tool to just really be aware, like self-aware, but also it's so cool to just like see how the father is working in your friends and, and just like be able to grow. So it's squirmy sometimes, but it's really good and really needed. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think going off of that, like it is squirmy. It's still, I still get like nervous when I give feedback. I mean, that's, that's not something that necessarily will go away. Like it, it will get easier and you'll learn how to do it and it you'll see the fruit of it and it'll be something that's exciting. But I, I think it's okay to acknowledge, Hey, this is, could be uncomfortable and this makes me a little squirmy, you know? Um, <laughs> but I think feedback for me, like I grew up in a house where feelings were very open. Like everything was on the table, come from a big, loud Italian family. We spoke our minds and <laughs> I think I had to learn how to refine that a little bit. Like, um, again, refinement of learning how to speak it in love, even when my emotions are really high, um, going to the Lord first with those emotions, sorting it out with him, and then bringing it to the table with my team. But I remember even at training camp, I like, after the feedback talk, I was like, wait, I went up to my leader, one of the leaders. And I was like, are you sure? Like, this is how this works. Cause to me, it feels like really exposing that it's done in a team setting. Like, why wouldn't I just go one-on-one -on -one with this person? I was like really confused by that aspect of it. Um, and I'm like, that feels like really exposing. And I would kind of like had my guard up against it a little bit. Um, and after like, I, I let the leader like share their heart and like why, the why behind that. And seeing it actually unfold in a group setting, it it makes so much, sec so much sense. And it's like, um, it's such a unifying thing, you know, like, and there's so much safety in the group setting. And I think for me, my walls were up because I was afraid of vulnerability and like being exposed and being vulnerable. If someone gave me a piece of feedback or, you know, that being on display for everyone and that perfectionist in me was like, Oh, I don't like that. And I don't want to do that to somebody else. But the idea that you're like that piece of that piece of feedback, whether, you know, constructive or positive, whatever it is, it's on display for everyone to see, to be able to give testimony to that. And then to encourage you in that, and then to celebrate with you when you've grown further and deeper into those things. So, I mean, I've, I've coming out on the other side, it's like, that's one of, that was one of my favorite things within community was the feedback times. And that's where I saw the most amount of growth. So 
it's definitely not like something that we say is a really good thing, but it's actually a terrible thing. Like I, I was, I saw a meme, like a world race meme that said that, like that said something like that. And I was like, that's not true. Like I got mad. <laughs> I'm like, feedback is great. <laughs> um, don't look at the meme, but anyways. <laughs> <laughs> don't look at the meme. <laughs> don't look at the meme. It's not true. Yeah. I think going off of that too, I was just reminded, like when we did the teaching on feedback um, and I, I remember like, being so nervous to give Connor feedback in front of the whole squad. I was just like, wow, I'm feeling super squirmy about this. I probably voiced it to them right before, but then it was just like, it just hit me. I was like, wow, this is, this is just a really beautiful thing. Like it is really good. Definitely. Like it still makes me squirmy, but it's still really good. (laughs) That's awesome. That, I am really glad to hear that myself just because feedback is not something that has really ever been a part of any community I've been a part of. And it's almost just like kind of the way that I've always treated things, which one, I'm really excited to get myself out of, but like also realizing how much of a challenge it's going to be is like to just bottle up my feelings until they all come out in it usually comes out in anger. So it's, I, squirmy is an appropriate word in my opinion. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm excited to see how that's going to unfold. Yeah. And if I could just speak to that, like even what you were saying earlier, Micah, about, you know, not wanting to team lead and like not thinking that was anything you would, you know, be called to do or be, be good at. Um, and it's the community that was able to see that in you. It was your community that was able to see something that you didn't see in yourself and was able to call that up out of you and encourage you in that so that you're like, okay, let me take that to the Lord. Okay. Like he is asking me to step into that and, you know, maybe I don't feel qualified, but he's called, he's calling me to it anyways. And I think that's something that I saw in my race was like, that, that aspect of things that you don't see in yourself that your, that your community does. And now I'm just, I'm better because of it. And I'm more aware of myself and I'm more confident. Like you think that getting feedback, you're going to like hear all your insecurities and you're just going to be like torn down, but it's really a, it really builds you up. And I see that already working in your life, you know, that, that your leadership and your squad and your team like sees that in you and believes in you and and is willing to speak that over you so that until you believe it about yourself. Dang, that's really good, Kim. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Andrew, you got anything else? I mean, I feel like I could ask questions all day, but I think we're good for now. <laughs> we'll just have to have a song for round two, like Connor. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we'll have a year to do it, so I'm not too worried. <laughs> You'll have to get Mac and Jenny. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That was, I knew I had another question. Um, so the two of you and Connor were all on the same squad when you originally did the race, right? Yes. Um, so one, like, how freaking excited are you guys to be squad leading together? And two, like, how do um, Jenny and Mac fit into this now? Because I know you guys both know them too, right? Yeah. So Jen was actually our alumni squad leader for uh, our race. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I'm really excited. I'm like okay here's the thing so Connor and Cam already knew that they were squad leading like they knew way before I did I um got thrown a curveball by sweet Fran two weeks before y'all's training camp and she said hey Sue what'd you think about squad leading and I was like what (laughs) so I think I mean I'm stoked I think it's gonna be awesome it's been so cool just like getting to connect with Connor and Cam but also on the other side like getting to do this with Jen and Mac as well like it's just it's going to be so fun and it already is and so I'm so excited just to like get to spend more time with 
how many the four of them and just I'm just I don't know I just think it's like going to be it's just going to be so sweet Mm. like it's it's such a curveball from the Lord to be honest but I'm so excited for it (laughs) yeah and I I mean just to echo that I think it's one of those things where you're like you look back and you're like, what would we have ever done without Mac and Jenny? You know, like that's kind of where, what I, what I'm feeling. It's like, yeah, it made sense before, but like, there's going to be so much more like that God's going to bring with them that we didn't have before as a leadership Mm -hmm. team. So I'm really, really excited. Um, Like Sue said, like we, we've done the race with Jenny. I'm really excited to learn from Mac too. And um, I know that the, both of those women are going to bring so much to our squad that, we didn't have before and yeah. they're both in g42 which is a Le- leadership academy mm-hmm. right now so they're serving as part of their practicum with our squad so they're going to impart so much from g42 like the, some of the stuff they're learning is just crazy so i'm excited to learn from them and to watch them impart things to our squad that we wouldn't have had otherwise mm-hmm. that's awesome yeah i'm so excited to have them with us too and to just get to continue to, you know, do the world race with you guys. Very thankful to have the leaders that we have. Mm-hmm. Thankful to be here. Yeah. <laughs> so thankful for age squad. <laughs> Same. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap things up for this episode. Uh, thank you all for tuning in to another episode of More Than a Mission podcast. We will see you guys next week. We want to thank you for listening to More Than a Mission. For more information and to keep up with our ministries, follow us on social media at More Than a Mission Podcast or email us directly at more than a mission at outlook.com.